0: Welcome to Max Storm Business Coaching for the Health and Fitness Professional Podcast, where you will hear and learn tips, tricks, and marketing secrets that will allow you to build your business from ordinary to extraordinary. Visit us at MaxStormCoaching.com. Now, here's your host. Hello there. This is Ashley Mazurek from MaxStormCoaching.com. And I am back from the summer, glad to be back. Hope you guys had a wonderful summer and the heat, vacations, lots of family time, kids out of school, projects in the house, all those fun things that come in play with the summer vacation. So we're back to structure, love it, back to kids being in school and work is busy, so Wanted to say welcome back to everyone. I'm glad to be here today We're gonna talk about program design So I'm doing a little back-end work and so I'm studying a little bit of program design Uh, As you guys know if you're in this field uh, Studying never really ends. Uh, You're always constantly doing that um, Which is what makes us good Uh, It's why people want to hire us It's why we get good results and Also, we always get clients that never really have the same issue or have the same issue, but the etiology is never the same. And because the body is so very complex, you can't ever really totally handle a protocol or a same protocol with each and every person. At least that's what I find in my experience in my practice. So I've been doing this... Uh, holistic for about 18 years, and I've been in this health and fitness industry for 28 years working with people. And so, I do feel like there's a couple things I can offer uh, to any of you out there. One of the things we're going to talk about as it relates to program design is personally a little example I had this week with a new client. And so, This particular client came to me with the issue of nutrition and trying to lose weight and having a lot of problems doing that with the idea that her nutrition was really good. And, you know, I will validate that when I got her food logs and had all her intake forms filled out and perused through them to create my own protocol for her individual situation, I was pleasantly surprised that how good her nutrition was and trying to find the real problem with what she's doing in her life that she can't get results. Now, the the results that she wants, let's just put that out there, is to lose weight and to look at what age 42 look toned. You know, looks like looks like she works out because she works out 5 days a week, sometimes 6. So, what's the problem? And so I want to talk about that because uh, some of you may be dealing with the same situation and and I'm just going to offer my expertise in what I did. Not that it's the right way, but it's a suggestion because I think we're on the right path with her and um, so here's sort of the outcome that I got from her situation. Fairly good nutrition. Does it need to be better? Yes. Yes. We always can be better now, can't we? Now, the, in, the difficult situation, and, and I'm making a stereotypical judgment here, it's sometimes harder to deal with the nutrition with women than it is to, with men, because truth be told, as a fact, women are very much emotional beings. Does that mean that men are emotional? No, it doesn't. But women tend to be more emotional. So with that being said, that can be tricky when dealing with nutrition because then you've got to get under all the emotions and try to stabilize them before we can move through the process of change. But that wasn't really the case with this person. Um, not a very emotional person, very balanced actually. So what I ended up finding after having a dialogue with her on our first session, which typically will be two to three hours with me. Uh, it is, it is important for me to, Figure out a protocol, but then actually listen to the client. Yes, I understand what they're saying on paper, but does it then reconfirm and get validated through dialogue, which is important to know, and it's also very important for me to hear what they're not saying. And so for this particular client, she'd been eating fairly decent, but one of the things that I found with her nutrition, which seems to be a pretty common problem that I found in my nutrition coaching, is that... People have a hard time distinguishing eating really good, but not eating necessarily for their type. And what I say by type is I'm really essentially looking at the macronutrient ratios. So some people do really well eating carbohydrates with a little bit of protein, a little bit of fat. And maybe through their own programming uh, or uh, mimetic programming, they understand that eating that way is very healthy for them even though it doesn't necessarily serve them. And then there are people who can be more of the protein eating more proteins and fats and less carbohydrates. And so the root of that is figuring out what not what you've been told, not what you've read in magazines, not what the big superstars are doing because that's never going to work for you. And and quite frankly, just because your sister, uncle, aunt, mother, father did very did a very successful Healthy plan doesn't necessarily mean that's going to be the healthy plan that serves you for your success. And so that's really important for people to understand. And so part of the process of being successful with nutrition truly comes down to them being able to feel inside of themselves and to listen to what their body and mind is telling them. Because at the end of the day, when we're eating correctly for our types, and the macronutrients are at their optimal ratios, then we have energy, we have stamina, we have clarity with our mental thoughts, we have focus, we don't have any fog, we don't get tired, we don't get lethargic. And so that's really important with also adding, you don't get... um, Cravings. So when you're eating right, and you know, after a week on this program, this client that was one of the when I asked, What are the benefits that you're seeing from the changes that we've made thus far? One of the things she said is, I don't, first of all, don't get tired in the afternoon like I used to. And secondly, I I realized that when I do eat correctly, for me, I don't get cravings. And that is this. My God, this is in our second session. She's already reached that level, which can sometimes be difficult, so I'm really proud um really glad that she's sensing and feeling inside of herself, and she's come to that resolution. One of the other things that we're working on with her not only sensing and feeling and food logging and kind of making modifications and changes to the degree that she can make, but I also looked at her exercise regime now. It's important, as I mentioned, program design. It's very important for an individual to look at their body type and determine what type of exercise deems the effects that they want. Now, there are three types of bodies out there. There's ectomorph, mesomorph, and endomorph. And so when you understand the characteristics of each of those, you then can establish a really good protocol because you know what each of those essentially means. And so for her, she was an ectomorph. And so uh, being an ectomorph, I can resonate. Uh, Ectomorphs, typically they love cardio but they shouldn't do a lot of it. They should do more weight training. You know, I'm an iron, I was an Ironman triathlete. On the off season I was a marathon runner. And so I understand what it's like to love and feel very comfortable doing cardio, but at the same time I also love weight training. And so in my period of the 10-year career of doing those sports, I also decided to dive into, I did uh, fitness pageants. And it was uh, quite, what a great choice because it was complete opposite of what I was used to. So fitness pageants is all about doing no cardio or the minimum amount of cardio, essentially for fat burning. And then Doing all weight training, like weight training six days a week, and specific to bodybuilding, and so I was. W- w- the beauty of that experience allowed me to see the transformation within my own physique that was actually mind blowing. So coming out of that career, I obviously I got burned out with cardio um, for doing that for so many years and teaching group exercise, and no, now I am able to reach the body type that I like and love. But for me, I have to do more weight training. So for her, she was an ectomorph. She needed to do uh, weight training. Now, does she do weight training? Yes. So my next question was, okay, well, let's talk about how many days a week you weight train two days a week. Okay. So for somebody who wants to put on muscle and be noticed to be able to be a a structure of, of when somebody looks at her, she noticeably has curves and muscular tone and definition. Two days a week is really not that much. Not for an ectomorph, it's not, you know, we have to work really hard to get muscle. And so, At the same time, I say, how much cardio are you doing? Well, she's doing cardio the other days a week. So for whatever weight training she's doing, she's burning that muscle by doing all of this cardio, which ultimately is giving her the body type that she has. So her, her experience thus far is validating to her because it was the information that I'm giving her. Is not new? And here's why it's not new because what she's been doing hasn't been working. So what I'm offering her is a completely different program, which is saying you're doing too much cardio. It's burning through your muscle, which is why you don't have a lot of muscular tension. And she was like, well, That must be true because that's what I've been doing and that's what I look like. And then secondly, I said, you need to take your weight training and you need to design it in a particular fashion so that you get hypertrophy. So question is, is what type of weight training you do? Oh, I do Orange Theory? Well, that's fantastic for the mesomorph because mesomorphs can just look at weights and blow up and have beautiful muscles. Unfortunately, for for the individual who's ecto, you're going to have to program design yourself with the volume that gives you the intensity and the low uh, number of repetitions that cr- with higher rest so that you get that outcome that you're looking for. So high reps, circuit type training with no rest, isn't the solution to creating hypertrophy. So that was something that we needed to talk about. And so, what she's going to do is she's going to have to get into the gym. And, you know, my suggestion is always the two to one ratio two days on, one day off. Because after about 48 hours, cortisol starts to kick in. And you don't want to have too much cortisol running through your system and get stressed out and get an overuse, um, uh, fatigue, and overuse within your musculoskeletal system. So, changing her weight training, and make it more designed for hypertrophy results, down-regulating her cardiovascular. In other words, I'm not saying don't do cardio, but if you're going to do it, do about 20 minutes, no more than 30 minutes. And I certainly wouldn't back up weight training with cardio. I would separate these two so they're at two different days or times in your day um, so that you get optimal outcome. (laughs) So that was, that's something she will then now work on and we're going to see what happens down the road. Very excited for that. And, and so when we deal with, uh, endomorphs, endomorphs need a lot more cardio, you know, they need weight training, but it doesn't have to be, uh, uh, hypertrophy training. It can be the circuit training and, and the cardio can be, um, Higher with longer periods. That's what they essentially need. Mesomorphs, oh, I'm jealous of the mesomorphs out there, um, because you know, two to three days a of weight training for them is is optimal uh, versus the ectomorphs, and you know the. The mesomorphs um, don't typically like cardio, um, so the little bit about the little bit that they do is essentially just their their uh, fat burning, and don't have a problem burning through their muscle when they do their cardio. So, yay for the mesomorph! Super jealous. Wish I was you. Um, and so, let's talk about a different type of program design. Um, now we're going to get into a type of client that's in pain, and so I want to talk about some steps. So you have got a client that specifically is looking to get out of intermittent or um, any kind of persistent pain. Uh, And so we want to first, it's really important, and I'm going to go off of a class I just taught with some of this information. It's really, really important that you, and I may have said this before, but that you educate the value of what you represent. Uh, In other words, uh, I'm gonna go off on my own successful experience with this. When you they come to you and then you assess and you figure out the etiology, that's it's all about the whys. So why is this all happening? Where's the etiology? And then going from there. And once you've figured it out, you create a plan. And then from there, with your education and knowledge, it's very important that these people buy into this program. But you've got to, I don't, I don't want to say convince, because it's not about convincing. When you know your stuff and you know how to help people, it's what you. what we really want is we want them just to have faith that you actually know what you're doing. And here's why. Because I worked in a pain clinic for four and a half years. And these people have... Into a lot of people, and nobody has helped them. And that's why we're really good at what we do because we can help them and we can get it to the etiology because we understand the body at all levels that create dysfunction. And what I mean by that is the mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual. Those all those levels create can create pain, intermittent, persistent. And so you have to figure out where the root is and once you've figured out the root, figure out at what root, what level of that root can you actually deal with this person? In other words, if you feel like it's a chakra issue, if you feel like it's a spiritual issue and it's an energetic issue, you're not going to talk to a tight AAA business guy about energy work and chakras. So you've got to get them out of pain the, the, through the physical means of disrupting their energy so that is it has a free-flowing uh feeling of health and vitality. In other words, they get out of pain. Easy and simple as that. And we can do that physically. Um even though you do know and, and the reason why you know it would be an energetic spiritual issue is because as soon as you are able to create and reduce pain or eliminate pain, it continues to keep coming back. Okay. And it and it probably always will if it if, if it's that deep of a level of an issue it will continue to keep coming back until you deal with that issue. But the, the, the good thing is, is you're able to help them. So as soon as you're able to help them, they now establish rapport and integrity with you. Like you have helped them. You are the gods. Um, and, you know, we're not the gods, but we just, we we know what we're doing and that's the great aspect of it. So then you can eventually, if it is, if it is a visceral issue, then we can talk about the visceral manifestations of the physical dysfunction. So we can get into potential diet. Um, we can get into the mental, emotional, and that visceral area that's causing too much energy in the, in the viscera that is inhibiting the musculoskeletal, which is ultimately causing the pain. So it's really important that we, what I said was get on their level and then talk the language that serves them so that they can have trust and integrity with you that you can help them reach the goal that they're trying to reach, which ultimately would be, hopefully you'll know that, which, you know, maybe to play golf in Thailand for 12, 12 days, it may be to go eventually um, skiing in the winter with their family, whatever it may be. So some steps as far as the pain, let me give you five steps that you would start with? Because the pain one can be a little bit difficult. Um, my first case scenario with the, the client with the nutrition, weight loss, that's sort of an easy case. That, to me, I, I was felt very blessed to get a client that's so, so easily managed and pretty easy to tackle and, and achieve her goals. The pain ones are a little bit more difficult. So step number one in our sequence of this sort of rehabilitation, getting them out of pain, we need to first correct the, the neurological inputs that are creating the pain. So, whatever that may be, may be for me maybe doing manual therapy, maybe reducing trigger points um, it, it, it may be them um, handling their nutrition a little bit better, maybe like doing ice baths, um, cold showers for thirty seconds for a total of thirty seconds on thirty seconds off for three minutes so we 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 have to try to figure out a way to down regulate the pain um, motor neurons from. Establishing um, the sensory uh, feeling of uncomfortableness. Okay, so, and sometimes it's, it's, it is easy as doing a little bit of manual therapy in a muscle that's got um, referral pain from trigger points. Can be as easy as that. Um, I mentioned nutrition, yes, because sometimes I got a case right now where nutrition is the basis of the instability that's going on within the lumbopelvic pain. So nutrition is destabilizing the core, which is causing a lack of form closure in the pelvis, which is causing a pelvic distortion, um, in other words, a flexion disorder, which is ultimately creating pain for this person. So I can manipulate, I can do soft tissue work, but at the end of the day, if they can't fix the diet, the diet is what's the, creating the lack of strength and stability to hold that together and so then it becomes a nutrition issue so that may be, be be the conversation number two is obviously looking at the joint structure if there is link tension relationships that are causing joints to to be um unhappy then we have to do some torp some torp type of corrective mobilization, corrective stretching, so that we get the joint back to in its optimal instantaneous axis of rotation. So that when the joint is distorted and it's not in the optimal instantaneous axis of rotation, what happens is the tonic musculature, um, it gets sedated. It uh inhibited and the phasic muscles the outer muscles turn on really really strong to protect and you know whenever don't forget whenever the body is in pain it doesn't want to be in pain it's done everything it can to compensate now we don't, there's no one way of compensation of compensating when there is pain pain can do an enormous amount of things uh, or the body can do enormous amount of things to try to get out of pain so once a body's gotten in pain, believe me, it's done a lot of compensating. That unfortunately is your work now to correct. So correct the link tension relationships of the joints. Obviously in your assessment, you're going to say, oh, the hip joint on the right side, up, shoulder joint, up, got atlas axis going into uh, You know, subluxations, whether it's two uh, subluxation, three subluxations, uh, correcting, correcting all of that. And then allowing the the link tension of those muscles to surround to be balanced. Then you're going to go into correcting and improving uh, joint adaptations. So now you're going to do exercises. Exercises to refacilitate new link tensions, to optimally um, take the joints that are now in their their position of optimal health, and those muscles, by doing exercises and corrective exercises, you are going to now create a joint with reps and intensities to create new neural drives that will be optimal to health and lack of pain or inhibition. So one, correct any kind of uh, negative neurological inputs. Two, go into correction of link tension relationships three, um, work on the, the joints and making sure that they're in their optimal position by doing exercises that facilitate, uh, those particular corrections. And that would be depending on whatever the correction needs to be, knowing your exercises well enough that they are the right ones for that job. And then stimulating, um, the tonic motor neurons by doing um in stability work. So working to the tonic muscles are the the are the stabilizers. So that's the postural muscles. So then work in doing stability work and um exciting the stabilizers to now turn on. Because whenever somebody's in pain you are sedating and downregulating all the stabilizers. So they need to now be turned back on because once a person goes in pain, they're not going to stop moving. They're not going to stop working. They're not going to stop doing housework. So what they're doing is reprogramming their body to work in a very ineffective manner, inefficient, not effective, inefficient manner. So now we have to reprogram the body to not work like that and to work in a sequential manner that creates proper joint mechanics with proper link tension with now stability to hold that together. And then lastly, bring on the phasic muscles or the prime movers, the big guys um, to work together with the intrinsic muscles, with the stabilizers, together with the joints and, and with the right balance within the muscles that surround the joints. I hope that makes a lot of sense. Um, but and at the end of the day, that would be the prescription. That that would be my suggestion. Um, that's what I suggest to my students uh, about how we can help people that have uh, essentially two types of issues as they come uh, come to you. So I talked about uh, my new client I just I got just last week and thought it would be interesting to bring her case to light because I haven't had a case like that in a very long time. Um, mostly what I get is persistent pain or intermittent pain type clients. Um, and, but this was a nice little interesting case that I thought. And then, you know, again, reiterating pain issues and stuff. And the only reason I say that is because, because I do work in a gym and there's other trainers around oftentimes watching and seeing what's going on. Um, kind of, kind of frustrating. And I don't, I don't want to say frustrating. It's just kind of mind blowing because I don't know that that particular process is effective. Uh, that the particular isolated work, isolated, meaning machine getting on machines is very effective to help somebody in a functional world. And I, and I hope you understand what I mean by that. I don't use machines. Uh, don't feel like machines are, are worthy. In fact, I think machines are a dissension, meaning they are easier than what we do all day long, which essentially I'm going to just use gait. Gait is 85% single leg stance. Okay, how much stability do you need in single leg stance? Uh, A lot. So how is doing machines, which you don't have to use your stabilizers, helping someone even in gait? It's not. So that's where I'm going to conclude today. I uh, hope you liked or hope you liked hearing the pieces of information. I have been getting some fantastic feedback that gets me really excited. It makes me feel like uh, you actually hear this information and it's somewhat useful to you. So I appreciate all the really, really nice feedback that I'm getting always uh enjoy hearing uh questions or topics or things you'd like to to hear about that i can maybe rattle my brain and try to figure out if i know anything about it sometimes i know some things and sometimes i don't um but i'd like to give it a try so until next time have a wonderful day and we'll be chatting next time thank, thank you. you for listening to the max storm business coaching podcast Please subscribe to the show on iTunes or Google Play so you don't miss...